Genesis 39. I'm wondering why these words look blurry. <laughs> Genesis 39, beginning at verse number one. I'm going to read it on the, in the NIV. You're going to see it up on the screen in the King James, good old 18th century English. But you know, sometimes that 18th century English just don't. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Today's one of those days where I want to read it out of the NIV, okay? I read in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, and the word of the Lord says this so. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph. That's important. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master when his master saw that the Lord was with him. Let me just pause right there for a second and let you know that people are watching you. When his master saw. It's interesting. Hallelujah. Saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. Do you believe God could do that? Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household. And he entrusted to his care everything he owned. And Joseph is a slave at this time. Verse 5. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. God can bless someone else because of you. Blessed his whole house, not because Potiphar the Egyptian deserved it, but because Joseph, the Lord's servant, was there. God can bless that job just because you're there. Bless that house just because you're there. Bless that family member's house just because you showed up. Oh God, have mercy in here. Hallelujah. I encourage believers all the time. Even if your family members don't necessarily believe. It is in times like Thanksgiving. Times like Christmas. Hallelujah. Where you have a wonderful opportunity to show up. And let the favor that's on your life permeate that atmosphere. Hallelujah. From that time, he put him in charge of his household. And of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had. Watch this now. Both in the house and in the field. Not only was the house blessed. God blessed this man just because. He showed favor to one of God's servants. Wow. If I was your boss, I would be good to you. So, Potter, so Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Woo. Wow. 
this Joseph must have been something else. There must have been something he was walking in that made him so noticeable. And I want to talk to you about it for a little while. Can we do it? I want to talk to you for a little while under the subject, keeping integrity. Keeping integrity. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word and we pray that you add blessing to it right now. Minister to your people in a mighty and in a powerful way today. And we thank you for it in advance, in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Oftentimes when we talk about Joseph, we know young Joseph, hallelujah, is a very gifted individual. And oftentimes when you hear a lot of sermons about Joseph, you hear about Joseph's gifts. You hear about his ability to interpret dreams uh, and how he, he had this amazing dream and how he helped individuals with their dreams as well. He is an amazingly gifted young man. But I will submit to you that his success does not just come from his gifting. His success comes from his character. It comes from his discipline and it also comes from his work ethic. In other words, Joseph is consistently progressing outwardly because of something that's growing in him on the inside. It's manifesting on the outside, but it's growing on the inside. And the reason it's manifesting on the outside, it's because it's growing on the inside. I love Joseph because he's young. Uh, young people need to hear this. Young, young people need to read about this young man right here. Hallelujah. Joseph's life illustrates to us in not so many words, hallelujah, but he basically lets me know that wherever I am, I belong to the Lord. This is the young man that goes, hallelujah, from, from his hometown and ends up in Egypt, sold into slavery, betrayed, mistreated. He's a slave in a foreign land. But he lets me know by the way he conducts himself that everywhere I am, I belong to the Lord. Oh, is that anybody else in this place? Hallelujah. Here's the thing, church. Can I just be honest in here? I think that the church has done a wonderful job teaching people how to serve. I think the church has done a good job teaching people how to sow. Uh, I think the church has done a really good job teaching uh, us how to support. Hallelujah. But I wonder, I wonder if the church is doing a good job, hear me now, uh, teaching people how to suffer. I ain't got not one amen right there. Because here's the thing. Uh, trouble comes and we act surprised. We act surprised as though we were living like trouble was not supposed to come. But the Lord himself very clearly said in the scriptures, in this world, because it's broken, saints, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. And I like what he does because he, he basically just sets their expectation. To, to, to let them know, hallelujah, something that I was talking to the church about on Wednesday, and that's simply this, that faith does not deny reality. I said faith does not deny reality. If you are walking in a faith that is trying to deny reality, that is a very weak faith. I said that is a very weak faith. 
for you to try to say something is not happening when it is really happening. David does not look at that giant and say, he's not a giant. He's a midget. He does not look at that giant and say, he's not there. I see him, but he's not there. No, David is the type of individual that does not deny that he is facing a giant. He just believes that the God that he serves is bigger than any giant he'll ever face. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah. So faith does not deny reality. Faith just says, I'm going to continue to progress in spite of reality. Amen, somebody. In other words, circumstances do not destroy my character. Rather, they help to develop my character. Circumstances do not destroy my character. As a matter of fact, when trouble comes, trouble aids me in perfecting and establishing my character. It makes me better. Hallelujah. How many of you in this place believe that God can use your pain to develop your person? That's the first thing I want to say in this place today. Hallelujah. You serve a God that can use your pain to develop your person. Ooh, God, have mercy in here. Do you believe it? When you look at the life of Joseph immediately, uh, as soon as the, 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 the story begins, you begin to see a young man who starts dealing with things that are painful. He is separated from his father. Separated from his father who he loves dearly. He's young. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Not only is he separated uh, from his father, he's hated by his brothers. Hated, hate, hated by his brothers because he shared his dream with them. Isn't that something? If you could share your dream with anybody, surely you could share your dream with your brothers. And they would be excited for you, right? But his brothers were not excited. And they went as far as betraying him. Selling him into slavery. Before that, they threw him in a pit. Were contemplating whether or not they should kill their own brother. Come on, somebody. When you really think about it, it sounds like somebody. Watch this. Separated from his father. Betrayed by his own brethren. Jesus left glory. Came to his own and his own received them not. Come on, somebody. Watch this. Joseph was sold into slavery for 20 pieces of silver. Jesus was sold into the hands of his enemies for 30 pieces of silver. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What I'm trying to get at is that Joseph is, in a lot of ways, a type of Jesus Christ in the way that he conducts himself. If, If selling him into slavery was not enough, watch this. They stripped him of his coat. How many of you know? A little something about his coat. He had this amazing coat that his father gave him. It was a multicolored coat. Amen. It was a coat of many colors. Hallelujah. I like that because it represents Jesus Christ. Because the Lord Jesus Christ wears a coat of many nations. Amen somebody. He wears a coat of many nations. I always say hallelujah that the picture always looks better with a little color in it. Amen somebody. And that's why I ask God. To continue to grow this church and make it a multicultural church. A church of many nations. How many of you believe that in this place? Hallelujah. So watch this. You see, you see the young man experiencing pain. But God is using that pain to develop his person. 
You have to understand, hallelujah, that sometimes God will knock you down now so the world won't knock you out later. Y'all didn't catch me. Hallelujah. I said, sometimes God will permit for you to be knocked down now so that later the world won't knock you out. In other words, he's toughening you up. Hallelujah. He's building your pain threshold for the things that will come out of a broken world so that you can stand. Are you in this place, church? And we need it, hallelujah, because trouble has a way of revealing how fragile our commitment really is. I said trouble has a way of revealing how fragile our commitment is. Some of us are doing all right, talking about I'm strong in the Lord, until trouble comes. And then when the trouble comes, the trouble reveals how fragile your commitment, your commitment really is. Well, you have to ask yourself the question, was I committed or was I in it for convenience? And one of the things you have to understand about your adversary, the devil, he's very cunning and very strategic in his, in his attack concerning you. And oftentimes, watch this, what the enemy is attacking is not really what he's after. I said oftentimes what the enemy is attacking is not really what he's after. If Job were here, he would testify, hallelujah. He messed with my money. He messed with my family. And he messed with my body. But what he was really after was my commitment to the Lord. What he was really after was my worship. He thought, hallelujah, that if he can mess with my stuff, I would curse him. But he was wrong. And I just wonder if I got anybody else in here like that. Hallelujah. Because when, when, when Satan accused Job before God, how many of you know that story? Satan comes before God. Hallelujah. Here's what you got to understand. He's, he's, he's in the heavenlies. I don't know how he gets there. He's in the heavenlies and he's standing in line because he has to wait. To have an audience with God. He has an audience with God. And God tells him, where you been? And Satan says, I've been to, to and fro the earth looking for whom I could devour. Because that's what he does. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And God says, the initiator of the conversation says, have you considered my servant Job? Now, I don't know about you. But I don't know if I would like my name thrown around like that. <laughs> you know, I, have you considered my servant Wendell? Have you considered my servant Jamie? I'm like, God, I'm good, God. <laughs> um, and notice what Satan says. Satan says, yes, I have. But, but you have this hedge. You have this. And th this, is, this is the thing you got to understand. God didn't mention no hedge. Satan men mentions the hedge. Which means that Satan knows something. Notice what he says. He said, yes, I have considered him. In other words, I have tried to get him. And when I tried to get him, I ran into his force field. But what you need to understand that really gets me excited is that this conversation is going on in the invisible realm. And Job is unaware do you understand that there could be conversations going on in the heavenlies about you? And you are unaware? Oh, God. And, and listen, listen. And God has prote is protecting you. This is what you got to catch. 
David put it like this on another occasion. Lord, preserve me from the secret counsel of the wicked. This is David, the giant slayer. But you need to be careful. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Lord, preserve me from the secret counsel of the wicked. There's a secret counsel of the wicked that are getting together and having meetings about me, David is saying. Trying to devise a strategic plan on how they're going to attack me. It has been well thought out. They have been studying me. And when they come, they think they're going to have what it takes to take me out. God preserve me from that. This conversation between Satan and God has taken place in the invisible realm. But what I really like about it, saints, is simply this. Satan attacked Job and the weapon did not prosper and Job never knew about it. You you didn't catch it. Watch this. In other words, his life was attacked and he was so well protected, he didn't even know he was protected. So, so watch this. Sometimes we start complaining about the stuff we're going through rather than praising God for the stuff that never got to us that we didn't even know about. Oh, God, have mercy in here. Because that story allows me to know that because God has hedged me in, there have been many of attempts by the underworld to attack my life. Hallelujah. But God protected me so good. That I didn't even know I was being attacked. So I wonder if I got anybody in here, hallelujah, like me who is so grateful. You can take about 10 seconds and praise God for his hedge. Come on, somebody praise him for the hedge, hallelujah. I should have been dead. I should have been swallowed up. The car accident could have killed me. The bullet should have took me out. The knife could have, God help me in here, hallelujah. But God. He was protected and he was unaware. But on another note, I like the idea of him protecting me and me not even knowing about it. Just keep me out of it. I don't need to know about all those attacks. (laughs) Amen. But I could be surrounded by enemies. Have you ever been intimidated by a situation? You're going to sit here and act cute in church. Been so intimidated by the situation, you got nervous. Come on, somebody. I got a word for you in here. Just because you're afraid does not mean you're in danger. Just because you're afraid. Let me, God, help me in here. On one occasion, the prophet, I ain't got time to go to the story because... I run out of all my time. But look, there's a story in the Bible where the prophet has his servant with him. Hallelujah. The prophet's been giving the king a lot of insight from the Lord. And so the, king, the enemies of the king are having a hard time attacking the king because the prophet keeps telling them what God said is going to happen. So the king has inside information. So the enemy gets wise. And he says, wait a minute. We got to do something. He has insight. Therefore, he has an advantage. Because whenever you got the word, you have an advantage. Anybody who has word has an advantage. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so the enemy gets smart. He says, okay, I know where he's getting his insight from. He's getting it from the prophet who represents the word. So I got to move the prophet 
out of the way. So the enemy determines if I get the word away from him, he'll have to fight just like everybody else has to fight and he won't have an advantage. And so he makes the enemy plans on killing the prophet. Big mistake. Watch this. So the prophet's in the, in the, in the wilderness with his servant and the enemy shows up, surrounds them. They just happen to be sleeping. How many of you know this story? The servant wakes up. He sees the enemies and he goes, oh my God, it's over. We're doomed. This is it. He goes to the prophet to wake up the prophet. And the prophet almost is bothered that he's being awakened. And he doesn't even address his servant. He looks up and he says, Lord, open his eyes. Perspective is everything. God help me in here. I said perspective is everything. Watch this. He is seeing the enemy and the prophet said he can't see. Open his eyes so that he can see that there are more who are with us than those that are against us. And God opened his eyes. Watch this, without his permission. I like that. I like that because there's some people I'm praying for. And I'm praying, God, you don't need their permission. Just open those eyes so that they can see. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Hallelujah. Perspective is everything. Are you following what I'm saying? Oh, God, help me in here. Some of you are able to do what you do because of where you sit. Because of where you stand. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And there are people that are amazed at what you do. Don't even understand how you could do what you do. And the reason that is, is because they're not standing where you're standing. God help me in here. Because elevation gives you insight others do not have. I said because elevation will give you insight that others do not have. Are you following what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm standing at a higher place than you are sitting right now. Because I'm at a higher place, I have a vantage point. I, had a, I have a better viewpoint. I see better because of where I'm at. Jesus takes three disciples because all 12 are not ready to go higher. He takes three to a high place. When they get to that elevated place, he unzips himself and shows them a level of his glory that the other nine will never see. And it's because of the elevation. Are you following what I'm saying? If you go higher, you see different. God, help me in here. Hallelujah. If you end up in a higher place, if you end up at high place church, you'll get a perspective that others do not get. How many of you believe it in this place? The Bible says that his ways are above our ways, which means that God has a different perspective. God sees different than we see. Not only are his ways higher, his thoughts are higher. You, you, you can't assume that your finite being can have a real intellectual conversation with an infinite God. If God really dropped some knowledge, your head would explode. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is why Jesus often said things like, there's so much I want to share with you, but you can't bear it right now. Your frame can't take it. Your cerebral capacity cannot contain it. 
You need to come up higher. And the higher you come up, the more I can release. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah, Jesus. He sees different. He does not see like we see. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Mary and Martha have a brother named Lazarus. He gets sick. What the Bible says about Lazarus is this. Jesus loved him. The Bible says Jesus loved this man. He loved him so much that when he died, Jesus wept. He loved him. Amen. But watch this. Jesus is away. John chapter 11. And Lazarus gets sick. The two sisters send word to Jesus. Lazarus is sick. Come. You need to come to Bethany at once. And Jesus, who is intentional, intentionally waits. I said, he, this is his friend who he loves. And he delays on purpose. On purpose. When God allows you to see him doing something, know that simultaneously he's also doing something you're not seeing. And when God does not allow you to see something, He's doing something. When God is not doing nothing, he's doing something. Because if he, de- if he doesn't do it, he made that decision intentionally. So he's up to something. Are you following what I'm saying in here? You need a right perspective of God. Amen? Amen? He waits on purpose. On the way, his disciples tell him, we're wasting, I'm paraphrasing, but they basically say, you're wasting your time. He's dead. You're wasting your time. He's dead. And Jesus said, watch this now. He's sleeping. Your perspective is he's dead. My perspective is he's sleeping. And so that's what you got to catch. A different perspective. Are you following what I'm saying? You could be looking at something right now you think is dead, and God's viewing it, and he's saying, no, it's just resting. It's not dead. That thing you thought was never going to happen, it's just taking a nap for now. Oh, my God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He did the same thing in Jarius' daughter's house. He goes to Jarius' daughter. Watch this. They come to him before he gets to the house, and they say, Trouble the master no more. Trouble the master no more, for the young lady is dead. And Jesus says, she's not dead. She's sleeping. And they laughed. And when they laughed, he said, everybody get out. Because if you don't have a right perspective, you're going to hinder the miracle. If you don't have a right perspective, you're going to hinder the miracle. If you don't have a right perspective, you're going to hinder what you can extract from me. I'm the, listen, I'm the healing worker. I'm the miracle worker. But if you don't have a right res- respect, if you don't have a right perspective of me, you can't extract that which is in me. That's why in Nazareth, he can only do one or two miracles, and he's the miracle worker. He's not limited. Their perspective is limited. And because their perspective is limited of him, he can't do a lot. You need a right perspective. Amen. Can I ask you a serious question in here? This was the motive behind putting this sermon together in the first place. Hear this question. I believe it's my next point. 
Can you keep integrity after losing something precious? Can you keep integrity after losing something precious? Can you maintain character after losing something precious? Because some of us do really good as long as we still have the stuff. And then we start losing stuff that we deemed valuable and we start losing it. You're not talking back to me. Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm saying in this place? You think about people like Job. Hallelujah. And the Bible says he lost all his kids. He had 10 kids. Now, I have four kids and I can't imagine losing a kid. But even if I did lose a kid, God forbid, I have three other children. But Job lost all 10 in one day. And you know what the Bible says he did immediately after? He worshiped. He worshiped. I got one amen right there and a faint clap. He worshiped. He went in the temple and he worshiped. And the Bible says in all of this, he did not sin against the Lord. Even when his wife started backsliding and came to him and said, man, are you still going to hold on to your integrity? It's the key word here. She said, curse your God and die. Because she started losing stuff and she lost it. And he said, woman, stop talking foolish. You got to hear this guy. He said, God gives, God takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's still God. He's still sitting on the throne. He's still large and in charge. This has not changed who he is, diminished his person or his character. Hallelujah. He's still God. Oh, my God. Anybody who could lose everything and still minister to somebody else, ooh, that's a powerful person. That's a powerful person. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? My God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Martha and Mary was like, if you would have just been here, they would just, they had a wrong perspective. And we have that perspective too. But can I help you in here? Just because he's delaying does not mean he don't love you. He, the Bible says he loved Lazarus, yet delayed on purpose. We think that because it's not happening, maybe he don't care. But let me help you in here. If he's delaying, it doesn't mean he does not love you. He loves you. He's up to something. Do you believe it in this place? Hallelujah. Joseph lost his coat. Joseph lost that thing that was precious to him that his father gave him. He lost that coat. But what you need to understand, hallelujah, is that what was, that Joseph's, Joseph's favor did not come from something that was on him. It came from something that was in him. And watch this. Even though they took off his coat and got rid of it, now he has nothing left, watch this, but beggar's slave clothes. But he's still a man of character. And he's still a man of integrity, hallelujah. Because, watch this, his blessing, watch this, or his, his integrity did not come from his clothing. It came from his character. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah. It doesn't come from stuff on the outside. It comes from something God dropped on the inside. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. 
David lost a son, hallelujah, and immediately after losing his son, you know what he did? He went to the temple and he worshiped. Can you keep integrity after losing something precious? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oftentimes, watch this, we think that the thing that's coming toward us is coming because perhaps we did something wrong. And you should always examine. You should always examine. You should, you should always determine whether you sold for it or not. Because there's some things that come because you. You sold for it and now you're reaping the consequence of what you sold for. Are you following what I'm saying in this place? But there are some times, hallelujah, where like that parable of the wheat and the tares, they come back and they say, wait a minute, but didn't we sow good seed? So where did, the, where did these tares come from? Because we didn't sow for this. And then they say, an enemy. An enemy has done this. Mm. Are you in this place, church? An enemy has done this. And your adversary is very, very strategic. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And there are some things, hallelujah, you simply just have to go through. Not go to, but just go through. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hallelujah. When we were exhorting up here a little while ago, he read the scripture that said, when you go through the fire, I'll be there with you. When you go through the water, I'll be there with you. Hallelujah. You're going to go through, but you're not going to go through alone. And if you're going through, that means you're moving. That means that your trouble has an expiration date on it. It is seasonal. Hallelujah. And it's going to end. All you got to do is keep it moving. Are you blessed in here, church? Hallelujah. You have to understand something about Satan. Satan would love nothing more than to weaken your resolve, just weaken you. That's why it's never just one hit. Because even Satan knows that some of us have been serving the Lord a little while and we can take a hit. So what he does is that he sends a series of hits. Have you ever noticed? I wonder if I got anybody that can testify. It's one hit right after the other, right after the other, right after the other. Because what he's doing is strategically weakening your resolve. Because he knows you can take a hit. But he also knows that if you have to deal with several hits, it's going to begin to weaken your resolve to the point where one day, hopefully, according to him, you'll wake up like Samson and say, my strength is gone. And I didn't even know it. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah. Oh, God, have mercy in here. Joseph is integral. He's the same. Watch this. I said a moment ago, everywhere I am, I belong to God. That's a powerful statement, hallelujah. But let me tell you why it's really powerful. If everywhere I go, I belong to God, then everywhere I go, I better be the same. If everywhere I go, I belong to God, then everywhere I go, I better be the same. But the funny thing about people is that people are often different depending on where you meet them. I said people are often different depending on where you meet them. So watch this. You meet them at the church and you see one person. Can I preach it like I feel it? And then, and then you meet them at the job 
and they're a totally different person. And then you go to their house. And it's not the same person you saw at the church. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, God, have mercy in this place. In other words, is there evidence that proves that you are the real deal? What is the witness? What is the evidence? That if we tried you right now, would there be enough evidence, hallelujah, to prove that you are genuine? If we tried you right now, not from, no, watch this. You say, yeah, 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 because we're in church. If we tried you right now, not by church folk, but by the folk at your job, would there be enough evidence to say that you are the real thing? If we tried you right now by the people who live in your house, would there be enough evidence? Husband, if I asked your wife, uh-oh, don't look at each other, just look at me. We, husband, if I asked your wife right now, Will I receive the evidence that lets me know that you are the real deal? If I ask your children, God help me in here. Would I receive the evidence that you are the real deal? Ooh, God have mercy. Joseph gets to Egypt. He could have taken several paths. He could have easily took on the, the false gods of the Egyptians took on their religions, could have just got angry because everything just went south on him and said, you know what? Forget this dream. Forget everything. Forget everybody. My own brother sold me into slavery. This is ridiculous. I give up. This hurts too much. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But he belonged to God. I said he belonged to God. And because he belonged to God, watch this, everywhere he went, he impacted I said everywhere he went, the, his presence was felt. You heard what the text says. When Potiphar saw the favor of God on his life, he put him in charge of everything. Oh, God. How powerful is that? This was the type of person, watch this, who gets in an environment and affects that environment immediately. Are you following what I'm saying? This is the type of person that's not a thermometer. He's a thermostat. He's not a thermometer because the thermometer simply adapts to the environment. So if the environment is cold, the thermometer shows cold. If the environment is hot, the thermometer shows hot. And it goes up and down based on the environment. A thermostat, you set it and it changes the environment. In other words, the thermostat influences the environment and doesn't allow the environment to influence it. A thermos, listen, a therm, listen, oh God help me, a thermometer just blends with whatever the environment brings. So let me ask you a question. Are you a thermometer or are you a thermostat? He didn't adapt to the atmosphere. He influenced it. Hallelujah, Jesus. Are you that type of person? Are you that type of person? I love people like Job. I love people like Joseph. I love people like those three Hebrew boys. I love the, I wish every Christian had the attitude that the three Hebrew boys had. Because the Hebrew boys told the king, hallelujah, listen, our God is well able to deliver us out of this fiery furnace. And he will. That's where their faith was, hallelujah. But if he decided not to, we still will not bow down to you. So these people had an attitude that said, if he doesn't, we still going to praise him. 
And I just wonder if I got anybody in here other than me, hallelujah, who has it if he doesn't praise. And if he doesn't do it, I'm still going to praise him. If it doesn't happen the way I thought it should happen, I'm still going to praise him. If it doesn't happen this year, I'm still going to praise him. Yeah, I'm losing you already. Hallelujah. If he delays, I'm still going to praise him. What would you do if God decided to use your life as an object lesson? Now, you know, I'm the type of person, I'm just going to be real honest in here. Uh, we have Job in the scriptures. And so, I, you know, I often tell God, we got Job. We don't need another object lesson. We got Job. You know, because, you know, I don't know if I'm, <laughs> I'm not that comfortable with my name being thrown around heaven like that. And me be unaware. Have you considered my servant Edgar? I'm like, nah, God, I'm all right. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? What if God decided to use your life as an object lesson? Not, no, you didn't do nothing wrong. But that's it. God needs to show the world that there are some people who do not serve him for stuff. And so watch this. <laughs> because when you, when you think about somebody like Job, the Bible says that he's blameless. The Bible says that he fears the Lord. The Bible says he shuns evil. Come on, somebody. And there's nobody like him in the earth. That's what the Bible says about him. When you hear that kind of report, that's the kind of report that makes you say he shouldn't be going through anything. Because he shuns evil. Come on, somebody. He lives right, he's upright, he's blameless, and there's nobody like him. So if he's doing everything right, everything should be right, right? And you were to think that, watch this, that would make somebody say, but I trusted you, Lord. But you don't know God's perspective. God's perspective is, yes, I know. That's why I'm entrusting you with this trouble. Can God trust you with trouble? To use you as an object lesson to let the world know that there are some of us that ain't going down. God, help me in here. Can God use your life as an object lesson, hallelujah, like the three Hebrew boys to let, listen, because sometimes we, listen, God sends stuff or allows something to happen to teach us something, right? Because sometimes we got to learn and we got to grow, hallelujah. But there are sometimes, and you've heard me say this in the past, but I think it's worth repeating. Sometimes, hallelujah, watch this, the trial doesn't come to teach you something. God allows you an opportunity to teach your trial a lesson, to teach your trial that there are some of us, hallelujah. Hallelujah, that are not going down. That there are some of us like those three Hebrew boys, hallelujah, that we're going to be in the fire, but the fire is not going to be able to burn us up. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That there are some of us, hallelujah, like Joseph, who the prison's not going to be able to hold, hallelujah, will be in the prison, but the prison will not be able to hold us. When we have somebody like Noah who says, hallelujah, I am in the water, and the water is coming, hallelujah, but I ain't drowning in this water, hallelujah. Or somebody like Jesus who said, death tried to hold me. Death wanted to keep me down. Hallelujah. But death could not hold me. There are some of us who are not going down. There are some of us who are not drowning. There are some of us who are not burning. And there are some of us who are not staying locked up. What would you do if God decided to use your life? As an object lesson, oh God, I'm running out of time. Are you blessed in here? Even the you're not praising, the babies are praising. Watch this, hallelujah. 
Give me my next point. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Did we do number two? Yeah, we did, right? Okay. An integral person will police themselves. Knowing a crisis reveals character. An integral person will lock themselves up in their own conviction. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Will keep themselves in check. Hallelujah. If Joseph were here, he will tell you, your future doesn't depend on your gift. It depends on your character. Your future does not depend on your gift. It depends on your character. My God, help me in here. You could be gifted. Gifted ain't going to cut it. Gifted is not going to be enough. Your gift will take your places. Your character cannot keep you. We're talking about keeping integrity. And your gift will take you up. Hallelujah. But if you don't have no character and you don't have no integrity, if you don't have no work ethic and you don't have no discipline in your life, you will go down just as fast as you came up. You need gift and you need character. You need gift and you need character. The Bible says there's nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, but watch this. There are nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, hallelujah, that you, you are not going to be known by your gift. You're going to be known by your fruit. Your fruit are attitudes, characteristics. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The priest wore a garment. At the bottom of that garment, he had bells and pomegranates. Bells and pomegranates. Bells and pomegranates. The bell represents your gift. It's loud and it's showy. The pomegranate represents fruit. And it's not three bells and three fruits. Four bells and six fruits. One bell, one fruit. One bell, one fruit. One bell, one fruit. Gift, character. Gift, character. Gift, character. Balance. Balance. Are you blessed in here? You cannot sacrifice principle for popularity oh god i said you cannot sacrifice principle for popularity god's been drilling this in my head at the end of this year hallelujah wanting to take my leadership to another place if you were here on wednesday hallelujah i said hallelujah notice what happened to jonah when he tried to run away from god hallelujah and he got in a boat that was going in the opposite direction of where he was supposed to go. He's on the run. He's a fugitive. Hallelujah. Watch this. And he's on a boat. And his behavior is affecting other people. And he doesn't know it because he's asleep. You remember? Where's my Wednesday crew? So watch what they do. They start throwing cargo off the boat. And the cargo represents, watch this now, their valuables. Be careful that you don't throw away your values to keep the wrong people in your boat. I said, be careful that you're not throwing away your that you're not throwing away your value to keep the wrong people in your boat. Hallelujah. Listen, God, help me in this place. If you are having to do that, hallelujah, watch this. That is an indication that those are not the right people for your boat. Are you in this place, church? Yeah, I know I wasn't going to get a lot of amens right there. And what ends up happening is that since that person is asleep, they're oblivious to their effect on others because of what they're doing. This is why, watch this, a grown man, Jonah, needed another grown man to throw him off the boat. Because if, 
if you're an adult man and you recognize you're the problem and you tell the other person, just throw me off the boat, why can't you just jump off? You're a grown man and you know you're the problem and you just told them, throw me off the boat. Why can't you throw yourself off the boat? But when you are living in your feelings, you always need someone else to do for you what you can't do for yourself. That was my mini promo for Wednesday service. Hallelujah. Are you hearing this preacher? People won't follow you if they can't trust you, church. People won't follow you if they cannot trust you. Character attracts loyalty. Character attracts, I got to hurry up. Character attracts loyalty. What does your character reveal about you? A lot of times it's manifested in great moments, but it is made in little ones. Are you in this place? Let me get the next point. I'm going to give you the points real quick and we're going to go home. Keeping integrity requires the ability for you to integrate yourself. Integrate. In other words, character is integrity. Watch this. It's the ability to integrate, watch this, or become one with your words, with your deeds, and with your actions. Even when you're a child and they teach you the alphabet, they teach you that the letters are characters. As an indication that your words mean something. Even when they teach you numbers, they refer to numbers as characters. To teach you, hallelujah, that when you say, I'm going to be here at such and such time. Oh, I didn't get it. I have to thank the front row personally for helping me out today. Hallelujah. The root word for holy, just in case you didn't know, is one. To integrate, to be one with yourself. Oh, God, have mercy. You serve a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Immutable, unchanging. In him there is not even the shadow of turning. I am the Lord thy God, I change not. Hallelujah. You're supposed to lead with your life. Are you with me, church? Hallelujah. If you are selling watches that you're not wearing, I'm not buying one. If you are selling watches you're not wearing, I'm not buying one. Because if you're not wearing what you're trying to sell, I don't trust you. And if you're not doing what you're saying, I won't follow you. Hallelujah. I'm not going to do it. Let me get my next point. Integrity is prevalent over power. Prevalent over power. Let me just throw this out there too. This is just food for thought. For, for, for anybody in here who aspires to be used of God in a great way and you desire for God to, 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 to move you or advance you in areas of leadership. I don't know if that's everybody in here, but that might be some of you in here. Hallelujah. Let me help you with that. There is no such thing as a private life. So just in case you were praying, God, use me, you better get ready. There is no such thing as a private life. Now, you don't understand, Pastor. You know, I just don't like for people to be in my business. But you have to understand that it's what you do in private that will determine if I will trust what you say in public. There's a, there's a vast part of your life that needs to be exposed to be a witness that you are the real deal. This is rough. Hallelujah. This is why the Bible says stuff like fathers, uh-oh, 
Don't exasperate your children. Uh oh. What does that mean? Don't frustrate, don't frustrate them through instability. Don't tell them not to smoke and then you smoke. Don't tell them they need to come to church and then you don't come to church. God have mercy in this place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Don't tell them they can't use foul language and you go to town. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know what you're doing? You're creating a monster. Yeah. You don't have to say amen. I'm telling you what I know. Hallelujah. Character protects your words. Police, look at somebody real quick and say, police yourself. Sometimes you got to know how to arrest yourself. Amen? Hallelujah. Character is prevalent over power. Show me Genesis 126 and I'll land the plane. Genesis 126. I want to show you something real quick in this text. Character and integrity are prevalent over power. Over power. You can't give power to a person who does not have character. Because the lack thereof will manifest. Hmm. Listen to Genesis 126. And God said, watch this now. Let us make man in our image. You know this text, but watch what I'm going to show you. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. Notice how image and likeness come before dominion. Image and likeness come before dominion. Let me read it again. Let me read it to you the way I feel it. And God said, let us make man after our own character. After our integrity. And let them have power. But you can't give somebody power if they don't have character first. That is very dangerous. That's like giving a loaded gun to a kid. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Somebody's going to get hurt. Ooh. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? Oh, I got so much here. I can't do it. I got to close. Hallelujah. If you're not careful, power will kill your character. Give somebody money who don't have character, they in trouble. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let me just give you the last one. Temptation reveals the strength of your character. Worship team, come up here. Temptation reveals the strength of your character. Can I just say something here? I don't know if this is me ending on a high note, but it is the truth. From the day you got saved until the day you stand before your maker, you will deal with temptation. You, there, some of you have been serving God for a couple of years and you think you're going to graduate from temptation. Let me help you in here. You don't graduate from temptation. Temptation continues to come because con- temptation, believe it or not, is a tool that monitors your character. It constantly monitors your character. Your character is only as strong as the test it survives. 
What you overcome or fall into will reveal the strength of your character. God, help me in here. Are you blessed in here, church? The greatest danger is ignorance of self. The greatest danger is you not knowing who you are. Satan told Eve, if you eat this fruit, you'll be like God. Only problem with that was she was already like God. But she was ignorant to who she was. It's the greatest danger. Because Satan's always going to tempt you to, do, to, to be something you already are. That's why he came to Jesus in the wilderness and said, if thou be the son of God. What is he tempting him? He heard when God opened up the heavens and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He was tempting him to be, to prove who he was. But when you know who you are, you don't need to prove it. They will see it. They will see it. Are you blessed in here? Come on, somebody give God a hand clap. I got to stop.